Welcome to In the Middle, the Hopkinton Middle School podcast. This is episode two. My name is Alan Keller. I'm principal at Hopkinton Middle School. Uh, we are excited to uh, have our second episode uh, on the air. Uh, thank you to those of you who checked out episode one. I appreciate the feedback that you gave, and thank you for listening, and hope you find episode two to be as interesting and enthralling. Uh, and as always, uh, we invite your feedback, your thoughts, uh, things that you would like to hear in future episodes. Uh, so in today's episode, uh, we are actually going to hear from two people. Uh, I have two guests on this episode. The first is Shelby Jones, who is an eighth grader who took part in Project 351. Uh, That's a project uh, organized from the governor's office where we have 351 students um, representing all the communities and towns in in Massachusetts. And so you get to hear uh, Shelby's experience. Uh, We're also going to hear from Doug Scott. Uh, Mr. Doug Scott is the technology and engineering subject matter leader. So essentially he leads the department um, grades 6 through 12 on technology and engineering. So we'll hear his thoughts on how things are going in terms of the engineering program and business and technology uh, and where he sees us going in the future. Um, so I look forward to hearing your feedback on those two guests. Um, so uh, before we get started on those, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's happening in the school. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to update people on is Chromebook cases. Um, as you know, as, as those of you that are parents of middle school children, Um, we asked all students to have Chromebook cases, which is not something that we did in the past. Um, In years past, um, we provided the Chromebook cases, and uh, ultimately what we learned is that uh, a good amount of uh, students were actually bringing in their own Chromebook cases. And so as a district, um, I felt like that wasn't the best use of money because a lot of students actually weren't using the case that they were given. And so this year we decided to not invest substantially in Chromebook cases and asked parents to provide those. So I apologize for those of you that um, had to spend additional time beyond the beginning of school um, where, where that's usually purchasing supplies and having to get a Chromebook case, but we appreciate uh, everybody getting those. Uh, those students uh, who haven't had a case, uh, we've been providing those to students and asking for them to bring in money when they have an opportunity to reimburse us for that. But ultimately, uh, we want the Chromebook cases to last as long as they can. This year's Chromebook will hopefully last uh, for three years. It's a, it's a great model, actually. It's a touchscreen model, uh, and we've gotten really positive feedback from from students and from teachers on the Chromebooks who are making looking to make that last as long as we possibly can. Uh, one of the other things that we've been uh, doing and taking on this year is, as all middle schools and high schools actually uh, in Massachusetts, is unpacking our social studies standards. So the state released new social studies standards. That's been a, a, a two-year process. And so over the summer, uh, what was a draft that was uh, receiving a lot of feedback from teachers and administrators across the state actually became the official uh, social studies standards. So over the summer and then throughout the course of this year, our 10 social studies teachers have been uh, meeting and working on uh, how they're going to uh, develop and shift their curriculum. So there's a couple of major changes, really one major change, and then a couple modifications. So at present in grade six, uh, we teach ancient civilization. In grade seven, we teach geography. And then in grade eight, we teach world history which is year one of a two-year world history study. So uh, students, when they get to the high school, their freshman course is 
world history too. Next year, uh, what you'll find is that ancient civilization and uh, geography will be blended together in a grade six and grade seven course that will also have some world history. So it won't just be an exclusive focus on geography or exclusive focus on, focus on ancient civilizations, but it will be a blend of those things along with world history. So that will be the grade six and grade seven course. And then in grade eight, students will take a take on a civics course. I find this to be particularly exciting. I think it's a really good move on the part of the state. I've, I have found that students, particularly when we used to go to Washington, D.C., tend to know um, little to nothing about how our government operates and, and uh, runs. And so as an educator, I am very excited about it. I know our social studies teachers have been very excited about um, this upgrade and this improvement to uh, what we are going to offer our, our students. One of the pieces that we're still figuring out with this is uh, a civics project. So all students um, at the middle school and high school level in the state will need to take on a civics project that will actually be a real hands-on uh, opportunity for kids to learn uh, about civics and how uh, how our government functions. And so it's it's uh, some districts I know are taking on a project where they're writing a letter to their congressman. Uh, we're looking at a variety of uh, opportunities that um, I'd like to think we'll we'll uh, go beyond uh, a letter writing campaign and have a little more hands-on exposure for our students, but we're still in the process of working on that, and obviously and ultimately looking for any support um, that anybody uh, might have and any ideas that, that they might have to to try and move that forward and make that a real experience for our students. Lastly, uh, I wanted to talk about some task forces that we actually ran at the end of January. So. Uh, Mrs. Lape, one of our assistant principals here, uh, ran an extracurricular enrichment uh, task force, and they met and talked about ultimately the goal of that uh, task force was to make sure that we are offering our students grades six, seven, and eight, uh, a wealth of opportunities that are free of gaps and overlaps, um, and that they're engaging, that they connect to our curriculum in some form or fashion. So when I talk about enrichment and extracurriculars, I'm talking about um, you know, in grade six, we go to nature's classroom, but we also have programs that come in like a pyramids and pharaohs program. We have art for your mind at the grade seven level. Um, at the end of the year, students go to Kimball Farm. Uh, they also do uh, a field day. And we've had in the past, we've had uh, Yoko Watkins come in to talk about So Far from the Bamboo Grove. And then in grade eight, we go to New York City. And then uh, the music, those people that are in music also have had a field trip at the end of the year. Uh, so there's those pieces, but there's also the pieces that we've had come into the school. This past year, we had uh, Chris Heron come and speak to us. And then we also had John Young, who is a marathoner that was sponsored by Desire to Inspire. So they met and talked about that. And we have some, we'll have an update on uh, where that task force went. Um, at that same time, I was running a task force on uh, technology, and that task force consisted of parents and teachers. Uh, and then I'm going to be meeting with students to talk about some of the things that we talked about. Uh, briefly, a couple of things that I thought were really interesting to come from that uh, meeting is you know, some parents talked about how at home they are managing their students' use of a cell phone and technology in general. You know, they've talked about um, finding device-free days and device-free device -free vacations to be particularly effective. Uh, so some of the families talked about when they go away for a week or two weeks um, that they don't allow their children to have an iPod, uh, an iPhone, or an iPad, or whatever 
uh, device they might have in the family, and that they found that to be a really positive thing. And actually, um, their their children uh, actually say that they are enjoying it. They enjoy having that break from the device, and that's been a positive thing. However, um, when the vacation ends or when the day ends, um, they go right back to the device and using it in the way um, that they have. And so, you know, one of the conversations and, and really kind of where we went was talking about how um, we know that we don't want to be on our phones as much as we are. Our, as adults, we experience that. Uh, as um, children, we hear it from our children, but we tend to um, go back to that thing, even though we know we don't like necessarily like the feeling of being on it. So, you know, the conversation um, went in that direction, and, and we still haven't solved that. But, you know, some of the uh, other pieces of advice that parents talked about, uh, one particular piece that I know a lot of people re- reacted positively to was, and, and this revolved around our students having less and less Um, interaction, face-to-face interaction, and that they're seeing that socially, you know, the feeling that they they don't really know how to communicate directly with people. And that's that's an exaggeration, but um, kind of seeing a a degradation of of those skills. And so one of the parents talked about, um, she has a rule that her child can text until 4 p.m., but after 4 p.m., if she needs to talk to somebody that's not in her house, um, that, that she has to call or she can FaceTime that person, and that all communication needs to be done in a, in a um, back and forth fashion, if you will. The other piece of feedback that we heard that I've heard consistently is uh, not allowing cell phones in the bedroom um, because you know when that cell phone goes up, parents report that um, their child might be on that. And our students report to us that they might be on it uh, at all hours of the night. So making sure that the, the, the cell phones are in a common place. And then lastly, um, one of the other pieces of advice that a parent gave was um, not allowing kids to be on their phones in the car. Um, you know, there's a parent who talked about um, driving a lot of kids around from, you know, sports practice or from a rehearsal or, or whatever it may be to different events and that the cell phones have to be down so that the students are actually having conversations, the children are having conversations with one another. So those are some of the things we talked about. We plan on uh, moving forward, and I plan on uh, having more updates about um, Technology Task Force. I mean, we you know we talked about as teachers what we're seeing in the school. We started a new program earlier this year called Relay, which gives us as educators, the teachers in the classroom, a little more um, control over what students are using on their Chromebooks. That's always been an issue is while students are doing something on their Chromebooks, they might be distracted and, and looking at a different website or gaming or something like that. So Relay gives us a little bit more control over that, actually a lot more control over that. And so that's been helpful uh, on the teacher side. And we're also trying to figure out where we go with a cell phone. You know, there are schools that have some policies around cell phones where the kids have to put them uh, in their lockers and keep them in their locker all day long. They can't have them on them or they or the homeroom teacher collects a cell phone. So these are things we're talking about. Certainly not ready to make any any uh, decisions on that, but just wanted to keep you updated on uh, on that. And now I would like to introduce uh, the first guest that I have for this podcast. Uh, she is Shelby Jones, and she is an eighth grader. Uh, as you'll hear in the interview, she attended Project 351. She represented Hopkinton Middle School. And she had chosen as the teacher that she was going to bring, uh, Mrs. Mary Ellen Grady. Uh, each year, our Project 351 nominee gets to take a teacher with them. And so we've had Mrs. Vera has gone in the past, and uh, I believe Mrs. Kirschenbaum went uh, also one year. Unfortunately, Mrs. Grady learned that, as you'll hear Shelby talk about, the buses were full this year, and so there were only certain people apparently that were allowed that were able to 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 bring a, a teacher chaperone. So although Shelby wanted Mary Ellen Grady to come, she wasn't able to make the trip. But 
You know, the thing I li- really like about doing this podcast is you get an opportunity to spend a, a good amount of time with somebody. So Shelby is somebody that has always been pleasant in the hallway, and we've had pleasant exchanges, uh, but never really uh, had a lengthy conversation. As you'll hear, as, as I think will come through in this podcast, she is an awesome kid, and she was uh, very is, is very composed and very, uh, you know, answered these questions. I can't imagine being an eighth grader and answering some of the questions and actually sitting down for an interview with my principal. So I think that Shelby probably has a future in the limelight. It's, uh, she just did a really nice job. So she is a basketball player. She's on our Ignite Mentor Program. Um, you know, she's super positive and teachers when nominating her all talked about that. So uh, enjoy this interview with Shelby Jones. Shelby was our representative, the school's representative for Project 351. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Project 351 is an organization um, run by the state. It started in 2011 by Governor Deval Patrick, and it started with um, um, an eighth grader in each of Massachusetts' 351 cities and towns um, came together um, in honor of Martin Luther King, uh, and it was a statewide um, opportunity focused on unity and youth leadership uh, that was so successful that the program has continued uh, since then. And so each year, um, we are asked by the governor to represent an eighth grader, and Shelby Jones uh, represented HMS. And so uh, part of this process is we ask for teachers to recommend an eighth grader. Uh, and we ask uh, not just eighth grade teachers, we ask related arts teachers, grade six, grade seven teachers. So I just want to brief- briefly uh, embarrass Shelby here um, and to some of the things that her teachers said about her. Uh, what we heard was that she is hardworking and diligent, a great teammate, a great classmate, not only holds herself to high standards, but also is able to subtly encourage others to do the same. She's confident, organized, exudes a positive attitude. Um, she would be an exemplary representative of HMS, a phenomenal student, strong leader. She's kind. She works well, works well with others. She never forgets to say thank you. She will establish uh, her place throughout her high school, college, and chosen career path and will empower others. And I could go on and on. Those are just some of the things that stood out to me. So um, we knew that we were making the right choice in nominating Shelby. And uh, and it sounds like based on her experience in Boston uh, that we did make the right choice. So Shelby, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So I wanted to start with um, talking a little bit about the whole experience, because many of us, I've actually never been to um, to the project. Over the years, we've had teachers go, and I know this year um, you had selected Mrs. Grady, but my understanding was that they had so many people coming that they had to say no. That's right. Yeah, they didn't have enough bus space this year. Um, so can you kind of walk us through your day and what was involved? Sure. Uh, so I started off in the morning. I got up nice and early at probably around 6, and... I got to my bus stop around 7. And where and, was that? Where did you have to board the bus? Uh, it was at Shopper's World. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I think that's Framingham? Yeah. 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 Uh, and there we got on the bus. It was very quiet. Nobody was talking, which is funny because later on, on the bus ride back, it was loud and everybody's oh, talking. Yeah. It's just when you first get on, everybody was a little bit nervous. Um, and it took a while for everybody to get there because people are coming from all over the place. But once everybody was there, um, we started the bus ride. Um, I sat next to a girl named Rose and we were talking. And while we were on the bus ride, we played some games to figure out how much we had in common with the people who were around us. And it was so funny because every single thing, it seemed like we had the same thing in common while we were talking to each other. Um, When we got there, then we walked into Faneuil Hall and we had to find our group. Um, my group was 
we were, our service hero was Kara Bobroff. Um, and so I, we, there were signs all over the whole Faneuil Hall, and you had to find your group. My group probably had about 10 or 12 kids in it. And, um, and so how did you know you were in that group? So they, they held up these signs, and we had uh, texted and emailed before we were in a oh, group gotcha. chat, okay. so we could had contact with our group leader okay. um, beforehand. So I knew all the people in my group also beforehand, but it, this was the first time we were actually meeting, so that was exciting too. Uh, we played some games while we waited. Um, we did a giant rock, paper, scissors tournament while we were waiting. Uh, for everyone to get there. And then once everybody had arrived, the first thing we did was uh, listen to, uh, well, many speeches from Carolyn Casey, um, who helps, who makes three, Project 351 what it is today. And we also listened to Ayanna Presley, who is very well-spoken. Um, and we heard actually a Project 351 alumni who uh, wrote a poem for us and she did an amazing job as well and we heard everyone uh, who was talking also Project 350 alumni uh, say their dream for the the nation actually not just talking about our state which was very incredible to hear as well um, and then of course we heard Governor Baker and Laura Baker speak as well because uh, they are very important key to running the whole Project 351 organization as well. And so that was very nice to hear. And then after that, we went into different groups to different projects, such as uh, my group was at a homeless shelter in Pine Street Inn. Uh, so can I ask you about that? So yeah, sure. Did you did you select that, or was that assigned to you? No. So they assigned each different group to a different service center. Okay. Uh, some groups were painting. Some groups were uh, cooking. Actually, in Pine Street Inn, there were groups who got oh, really? to cook. Okay. Um, but not everybody went to Pine Street Inn, correct? No. That's okay. um, some people went to Cradles to Crans uh, okay. a center, uh, a food bank. There were many different other service sites as well. Okay. Right. Um, from there, what my group was doing was we were putting together these packets for the homeless because during storms, uh, they are inside for many hours at a time with nothing to do but maybe watch a TV, watch the TV. And they're all, it's very close quarters. They're all right next to each other. So this just gives them a place to like think through their thoughts, um, maybe color, maybe write write down how they're feeling, their goals, um, and do a word search, uh, something like that along those lines. And we created, I think, 500 of these packets just in the short time that we were there, which due to the buses, there was some trouble with busing, um, so we didn't have quite as much time as we'd hoped. Also, with the storm coming in, they had to end the day a little bit early, so that was also cut a little bit short, but just in that small amount of time, we accomplished a lot. Some of the other uh, people who were there, uh, students, uh, they were doing, um, making cards and attaching little Hershey bars to the people who are on the team that go out every night and hand out gloves or blankets to the homeless who decide that they don't want to be in the shelter um, for their own reasons. So that was just an appreciation because these people will be out there in the freezing cold all night during the storm just trying to help out 
and a lot of them are volunteers. So it was really nice to make those as well for those ch children. Um, at the shelter, we also took a tour and it was, I'd never been to a homeless shelter before. So this was definitely, it was a new experience for me just seeing like how many people were gonna be in here, just imagining them all when the beds were all lined up in that room. And uh, I will say it wasn't, it's not, not the happiest place ever. Mm. It's, it's, you walk in and you, you really realize what kind of situation they are in. Because there's obviously people there, right? The people that are accessing the yes, shelter. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The when we went through, there were not people um, in there. They had okay. them somewhere else during oh, that did. time, okay. during the quarter in the quarters that we were in. But I think there, it's it was a big place, so okay. we were just in a small part of it. But when you were making the the um, packets, were you like in a cafeteria or something? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah okay. Very similar to that. Okay. Um, and just seeing that, it really makes you grateful for how much you have. Hmm. And seeing what uh, how little these people have, it really makes you feel good for the service that you're giving to them. Nice. So was that the end of the day, essentially, then? So we went back to Faneuil Hall for wrap-up. And okay. at, during that time, they had different uh, kids speak about their experience because, obviously, what you're doing could be very different from what other people are doing. Um, and they had people do... Uh, summary for each different service site across Boston, like where they went. Um, they had some kids share thoughts on their overall day. A couple more speakers came up. One speaker from Cradles to Crayons came up and told us about how we, what impact we were making. And it was really impressive to see how much just in one day, 351 kids mm. could do. So you, you left um, your house at six in the morning, right? Yes. And then, uh, and then, what time did you wind up getting back to? Uh, I think Shoppers around World five. Yeah. Okay. So it was a full day. Yes, then. it was yeah. a full day. That's right. And was that the, the so that, was that the day of the storm? Then did you beat y the storm? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and so then, I guess um, so. You know, we've been doing this in 2011, and um, and we've had um, some great uh, students like yourself uh, take part in this. So my understanding then is that. Um, this doesn't just end on on the yeah, on that right. Saturday the nineteenth. So, what what's next for you with this project? So, my plan is to participate in spring service, um, which is a way to get yourself involved outside of just the launch day experience, because that's just the in introduction to a full year. Um, Spring service uh, is at many different sites, so possibly like Cradles to Crans would be a good example of. Uh, uh, project organization that you could do this through yeah um, and you create a service team so that's the first step um, or you can go solo but they often recommend creating a team because being with more people it's easier to, and you do more um, and you pick a service site this could even I've heard be the school yeah. um, and you set your end date and your start date and your end date and um, you you do different projects, maybe a drive at the school. Um, I, I haven't gotten into the specifics of it yet. They're yep. just starting the information, but I'm really hoping to participate in, in this as well. It is optional, but okay. I'm hoping to continue. And so this team would be friends of yours? Or yes. Maybe Mrs. Grady or yes. whoever? Okay. Yeah, I'm hoping Mrs. Grady will definitely yeah, help me I'm with sure this. I'm sure she will, yes. I, I know she was disappointed not to be able to come in with <laughs> I, you. So. I wish she could have been there, yeah. especially with the mindfulness. She would have loved that. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, you said there was a mindfulness piece, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Um, and so, um, so this is awesome. And there's a lot that I'm sure you will bring to HMS and, and we will be impacted by what you've done. I'm curious if you can share a little bit about, um, and you've talked about this a little bit in some of the things you see, like being at the homeless shelter and, and never having been there and making uh, you grateful. Are there some other pieces, whether it be in some of the presentations of speakers or just the experience meeting some other kids that you'll walk away from this and you feel like it will uh, impact you in a certain way? Definitely. My uh, group leader, especially Emily, she was very, she's a very good leader first. She was very organized, but um, listening to her talk about her experience and how, what she's doing and how it's affecting people in her community, it really made me want to do the same thing, bring this back to HMS. Um, also, listen, we actually, when we were at Pine Street Inn, we had one of the people we were serving, a homeless man, um, who was trying to get back up on his feet. Uh, he was talking to us about he, how he used to be a semi-pro football player and how he didn't have a fallback and he was out on the streets and how Pine Street was making mm. such a big difference in his life. And listening to that definitely uh, resonated with me, like just thinking about how this was helping him and how how little he has and how it, this is making a difference in his life just the just maybe a couple hours of, of our time mm. and hopefully like continuing to do this how much of a difference that can make in other people's lives as well awesome Shelby, thank you so much for taking some time uh, to talk about your experience uh, on the podcast. Um, but more importantly, thank you so much for doing this and representing HMS. Um, and I, I know that we'll be hearing from you soon and on the, on the different projects that you want to take on. And, and we appreciate it so for much. For sure. Thank you. Thanks, Shelby. So as you just heard, uh, Shelby uh, did an amazing job, and I'm sure we'll be interviewed in many forums uh, to come. You know, it's interesting. Project 351, I believe this is our seventh year that we have now been involved in it, and it's been a really great program for the students who get nominated and have the opportunity to go and interact with influential and important people at the state level. It's also been a really strong program for the school as well, um, because part of the responsibility of the, of the person who's nominated for Project 351 is to come back to us and, uh, and and work with our school community. So Shelby's actually, since we recorded this, uh, Shelby's been in contact with me about um, setting up HMS as a service site for a spring project. So you will see donation boxes uh, coming soon uh, between uh, March and April, at uh, the end of March, March 25th to April 6th. Uh, she will be uh, collecting items, so some more news uh, to follow in that regard. Uh, my second guest today is Mr. Doug Scott. As I mentioned uh, in the intro, Doug Scott ha has been in Hopkinton. He came here from Natick, where he was an engineering teacher and department leader. There's been a lot of changes at the middle school level and at the high school level leading up to uh, Mr. Scott coming and uh, and under his guidance. And so we're excited to to be working with him. He has a tremendous wealth of knowledge and experience in working with students and staff around engineering. I hope you enjoy this interview with Doug Scott. Thanks for joining us, Mr. Scott. Uh, Mr. Scott is the subject matter leader for engineering, technology and engineering. Is that correct, Mr. Mm -hmm. Scott? Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited to have you here. As you know well, um, it's been a goal to bring more engineering to the middle school, and, and I'm sure you, I want to touch on some of the work that you're doing at the high school as well. But uh, first, I guess I just want to start talking a little bit about you individually and, and what your path has been that's brought you to Hopkinton Public Schools and, and your background and interest in, in engineering. Sure. Uh, I started out uh, teaching uh, 16 years ago in the Natick Public School System, and I taught computer courses 
and taught computer science courses. And then that evolved into robotics and engineering courses. Uh, so that by the time I left there, I was kind of a jack-of-all-trades with those things and uh, saw a position here in Hopkinton. Uh, they were looking to develop and, and grow uh, their STEM program, grades uh, 6 through 12. Uh, so I applied and was very excited when I received the position. And this is currently my fourth year here. Awesome. And so when you were teaching in Natick, was that always at the high school level? Yes. Yeah, I taught at the high school level. Uh, I was also a curriculum leader uh, for middle school and high school for several years and helped develop some programs there as well. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say as, as middle school principal, I've been, um, it's been an honor uh, to work with you and, and see the program grow and with your leadership and your background and your knowledge. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this multiple times, but, um, you know, when I uh, first started here, we wanted to uh, Im- improve and increase the engineering program. And I don't have an engineering background. And so we made some changes and some adjustments and, and you've really, um, brought a lot of expertise to that. So I actually uh, appreciate that. And But I, I would like to ask you if you could talk a little bit about what, um, talk, t- touch on what's happening at each grade level in the, in the um, engineering class that, at the middle school, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to grow the program with uh, staff members that have been super and helpful, uh, as well as administration that's been, like yourself, that's been super supportive. Um, and the community definitely, you know, wants these things, so it's nice. Um, in the sixth grade here at um, the middle school, we have a, a course called Engineering is for Everyone. And that course, uh, what we did was we paired up with uh, a woman from PBS. Uh, they had uh, design squad projects, uh, but the design squad projects weren't really designed for the classroom and weren't tied into standards, so we've been working hard to do that. They're very um, engaging projects. Uh, with a myriad of strands of engineering involved, and they are typically run for about three class periods. So the students are able to get a lot of uh, different experiences in engineering through that course. Uh, In the seventh grade, the students move on to uh, design and modeling. In the design and modeling program, uh, a nice couple of examples, uh, teacher Amy Borges came up with a nice project for designing uh, puzzles using a CAD program and having the students uh, 3D print the components to make up that puzzle. Uh, Another exciting one we recently were able to get in place was the uh, collaboration with the Bay Path uh, Animal Shelter in town. Uh, They provided us with a veterinarian surgeon who visited and the students created uh, prosthetic limbs for uh, dogs that have to have their limbs amputated for uh, bone cancer. So he explained to the students um, how they go through that process and what's required to help a dog live a happy and healthy life with a prosthetic. So the students went through and designed it and he came in and reviewed their projects. Uh, In the eighth grade, the students are involved with uh, robotics and automation. So the students are, we're transitioning currently into using uh, VexIQ materials, which are very similar to like a Lego kit. Uh, The students are going through the process of basic movement uh, with the help of sensors. So they'll use touch sensors, ultrasonic sensors, um, and rotation sensors. And they'll produce robots that can perform different tasks that all lead up to 
a competitive in-class game where the students are able to uh, compete against each other doing both autonomous programming and also programming uh, control so they can remotely operate the vehicle. So those are the three courses here at the middle school. Awesome. Yep. Uh, so I know. Uh, so the the dog you mentioned the prosthetic uh, limb sure. for the dog project that was yeah. that actually garnered a lot of attention when uh, the Melissa and Doug uh, stuffed <laughs> dog yeah. uh, came into the lobby. Yeah. So we actually um, Mrs. Burke as uh, as our school nurse has. Uh, decided that she wanted a dog. So she now has a dog in her office. Oh, nice. Uh, currently being named by students. So <laughs> that garnered a lot of attention. Um, but um, so I, I want to go back to the, so the eighth grade course, uh, the robotics piece. So uh, in addition to what's happening in the class, um, I, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the robotics club that sure. is being led by Miss Allen this year and that uh, Miss Borges was involved in in years past. Yep. They've had some tremendous success uh, in the past and made it to the world finals, in, in, correct, in Kentucky yes, previously. Yeah. So tell us what's happening this year. Uh, very exciting. Uh, we belong to a competition called the uh, VEX IQ Challenge. It's run by the uh, Robotics Education uh, Corporation, which is uh, REC. It's a nonprofit. And they, um, the students, we actually have a lot of enrollment in that this year. Uh, they meet every Thursday with Pat Allen. Uh, like you said, Amy had started it previously. Uh, Pat's taken over. Currently, there are 69 students involved every Thursday uh, with seven teams that we have. Uh, the students have competed at two events that we ran at the high school. The VEX IQ program has become much more competitive in the region this year, which is fantastic. Uh, it was a new program several years ago. Currently, we have one team, which is team uh, letter C, so our team number is 1715, which is the, the founding year of uh, Hopkinton, and the letter C is the team identification. So that team has moved on to the New England tournament via qualifying uh, with a tournament win and a design award uh, recipient at the recent tournament. So they've done very well, and they'll move on to the New England tournament, and if they can do well there, they possibly could move on to Worlds. The nice part is, is the uh, the kids have noted that it's become much more competitive, which is very, very good. That sounds exciting. So that's in March. That you said. Yes. And where yeah. does that take place? Yeah, they'll be at uh, Quinsigamond Community College out in Worcester. Uh, they host the uh, New England tournament, and that will be in, I believe, the second week of March. And then lastly, I wanted to ask, um, you know, so for, for parents as well as students that are thinking about uh, next year, mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about what we would find uh, at the high school level in terms of, and, and as a subject matter leader, you oversee business technology and engineering, is that correct? Yes. Yep. So can you talk a little bit about what the offerings there are? Yeah, we have uh, Mr. Finn at the high school teaches uh, business uh, and uh, economics. So he has some courses uh, for students in that. Uh, we have a technology strand with uh, computer science with Ms. Fournier. We have uh, Mr. Cousins from HCAM. Uh, he teaches our HHS TV program, and the students produce a, a news show weekly. Uh, and we have uh, engineering courses that I teach along with some robotics. Uh, and we have everything from uh, honors engineering to Lego robotics to team robotics where the kids go out and compete. At a, at a higher level, similar to the, the middle school program. Uh, and then we have a myriad of clubs and activities and things that we do. So we have uh, a lot of offerings at the high school that we hope kids are excited about. 
there's definitely excitement. There's excitement here. And so I really appreciate everything that you've done um, to, to lead that uh, engineering charge here at the middle school and, and uh, clearly throughout the district. There's a lot of great programs that, that you've started after school as well. So, Mr. Scott, I really appreciate you swinging by and uh, contributing, and I appreciate all of your effort. Okay, thank you. Well, as you hopefully heard in that interview with Doug Scott, um, he is um, really knows his stuff and has, is really bringing Hopkinton into, um, in, into a great place in terms of engineering. You know, we, in 2013, 2014, it was our first uh, venture into engineering with our Project Lead the Way program. And, um, and so we've been working with Project Lead the Way since that point. And then this year we began to um, move away from Project Lead the Way and to developing our own uh, engineering curriculum. And, and Doug Scott and Mrs. Amy Borges, who's the, the teacher for grades 6, 7, and 8, um, have, have done a lot of work on developing that curriculum and making sure it's applicable and pertinent to our students and is skills that students uh, will need in the future moving forward. So that's an exciting, that's another really exciting uh, piece that's being offered to our students, both in terms of curriculum, instruction, and some of those skills. You know, as as, um, as we look at our related arts program as a whole, it is, in my opinion, one of the really strong pieces here at Hopkinton Middle School. And our goal with our related arts program is to give students a taste, uh, introduce them to uh, different topics, and and hope that in in many cases, something that they explore here, whether it be dynamic media. You know, which is our digital art course, uh, or PE, uh, that's something that will stay with them uh, forever and that they'll be able to apply those skills and, and pursue something in that realm. So uh, thanks to Doug Scott for uh, all that he brings to the position because he is uh, one of the hardest working people that I've experienced both in this district and in my previous experiences. So that's going to do it for episode two of our podcast. Thank you again for listening. I hope that you uh, found some valuable information and learned a little bit more about some really special people uh, in our community. Our next episode, we are going to hear, speaking of our community, uh, from Mrs. Cheryl Ann Lambert Walsh. And if you don't know that name, she is the director of um, Project Just Because. So we're talking about a lot of projects. We talk about Project 351, Project Lead the Way. And, uh, and next month, we'll be talking with Cheryl Ann Lambert Walsh from Project Just Because. We're also going to hear from two of our students. I had the pleasure of going to the Holiday Pops concert over the winter break. And as it turns out, two of our students uh, were performing there. So we're going to hear from them. And uh, we'll have an update. We have our, speaking of uh, talent, uh, our talent show is coming up between this, the recording of this podcast and our next podcast. So we'll be able to hear how the talent show went. And of course, if you have any suggestions or recommendations, please send them our way. Thanks again for listening to In the Middle.